0: I knew I needed to start thinking about what was next when last Halloween, we had a dress up party at work and I dressed up as a witch and it was so fun. I had like really fun makeup on and then I had to take it all off and get ready for the news. And I realized, holy shit, the news anchor is the costume, like putting that on every day. That is a costume. Like I was playing a news anchor on TV. And when I started thinking of it that way versus I am this, things really started shifting.
1: Hello and welcome back to Plot Twist, the podcast. I'm your host, Miranda Page. I'm a recovering reporter turned podcaster here to share the plot twists in people's lives and their motivational stories that will inspire us all to live life to the fullest. Before I introduce you to today's guest, I just wanted to wish you all a happy new year. I'm excited to see what 2023 brings, especially with this podcast. I hope you're feeling inspired by the episodes you've listened to so far. I have so many more amazing guests lined up for this year that I'm so excited to introduce you guys to. So make sure if you haven't already that you're subscribed to this podcast so that you don't miss out when I post an episode. I do post episodes every other Monday. I'm still trying to figure out a good schedule I really want to post every week, but I'm trying to be realistic and I'm trying not to overwhelm myself. That's something I'm really trying to work on this year is prioritizing and balancing and just trying not to let myself drown. So every other week for right now, I might post some bonus episodes, solo episodes in between. And if you're feeling a little fancy since it's the new year or if you have... A little bit of time on your hands. I'd appreciate it if you also rated the podcast. Five stars if you think that's what it's deserving of. And if you're on Spotify or Apple, you could also leave a review, which I would also really appreciate. Let me know how I'm doing. What do you like? What can I improve on? I want to make this the best experience possible for you guys. So I would love all the feedback so today you're gonna hear from Leslie draffin she spent 15 years in the TV news industry most recently as an evening news anchor and managing editor after the pandemic her mental health really started to decline so she decided to leave her six-figure job now she's building a business that lights her up and allows her to help others she's a menstrual coach and helps women and menstruators connect with their cycles and bodies She also has her own podcast called The Light Within. In this episode, Leslie talks about how she realized that life is too short to constantly be on a deadline. She also talks about the importance of putting your mental health first, even before your job, and the importance of advocating for yourself. I appreciate you doing this and sharing your
0: story. Sure. Well, let me ask you this. What's the, um, are we, is this clean or is this explicit?
1: Yeah, it can be. I just have to put explicit on it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If you want to curse, that's fine. <laughs> Sometimes it just comes out. Okay, cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're fine. Feel free to speak your mind, whatever. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Whatever you want to that's say. What I'm about these days. Okay, perfect. So you were in the TV news business for 15 years and then you pivoted. So before we talk about that, can you talk about why you got into TV news in the first place and a, a little bit about your journey? Yeah, so I say
0: that I got the TV bug early. I remember being on my middle school morning announcements, little program we had where we would do like the um, the Pledge of Allegiance and talk about what was for lunch and, you know, any big announcements. But our team, I mean, we, we ran the little... Uh, camcorder. I mean, this was like, gosh, this was in the late 90s. Now I'm dating myself. But like we had our little camcorder and and we would write uh, the little quote newscast. And it was like five to 10 minutes maximum. And so I did that in fifth and sixth grade. And then in seventh grade, I had moved to a new school across the state and I got the chance to interview the South Carolina poet laureate. She had come to school. And so they had kind of done a morning announcements type program at this school too. Although it was a lot less in depth because the school was so small, but I got the chance to interview this woman. And afterwards she was like, you are so good at asking questions. Like you were, you didn't have any notes. Like you were just so good and so natural. And so that woman, bless her heart. I wish I could remember her name, but her still to this day at 36 years old, her words of encouragement just stuck to me. And I, and I just understood finally that all of these talents I had with writing and talking and getting to know people and just being so curious could become a career. Because I think she even said, like, you should look into doing journalism. Wow. And so I was from a very small town, didn't have, you know, some of the schools these days have these great journalism programs even in high school. No, that was not my case at all. I worked on the newspaper and had internships. And then I went to South Carolina for school, graduated. And for the longest time, Really up until about two months before I graduated, I thought I would be a producer. And so for those of you who are listening who may not understand TV lingo, that that means the people who kind of put the newscast together, they write the majority of it, and they're the behind-the-scenes, I like to say, conductor of the orchestra that is a newscaster.
1: I like that. That's a good way to explain it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're back there directing it, right? They're making sure everything goes and whatever. And I thought I'd do that. Until about two months before I graduated, I got the chance to interview my boyfriend at the time's best friend who had been diagnosed with testicular cancer as a senior in college. His mom moved from New Jersey down to Charleston, South Carolina to be with him. And I got the chance to like really tell a story and understand how impactful that was. And then I just completely shifted. So two months left in senior year, I had to do a completely new resume reel, but it worked out. And I'd say the real reason why I got into the news was to make a difference. You know, I I was definitely the optimist. Now I'm not. But to make a difference, to hold those accountable who are in power and to be a voice for the voiceless. And I feel like those three things are
1: what eventually led me to get out of news. (laughs) Yeah, I think a lot of people do get into news for that reason, and mm-hmm. as a former journalist myself, I, I can totally relate that once you get into news, it's it's not always what you think it's going to be. Mm-mm. No, not at all. So you were in the news for 15 years. You ended up becoming a evening news anchor, which is like the, the coveted role mm-hmm. in news. So yep. what made you decide to leave that role and to leave TV news? So- Throughout my career, I spent most of it as a full-time anchor.
0: So I was an MMJ, a multi-skilled journalist for the first three years. Then I moved to mornings and then I was promoted to evening at my new station here in Texas. And then I also was the managing editor. So, I mean, yeah, you talk about coveted roles. I mean, I was one of the top and I was making great money. But as the pandemic wore on, I started seeing all the cracks. Like they couldn't duct tape the shit together well enough any longer for me to turn a blind eye to really what was going on, not just in the toxic news industry, but across the whole world, really. I mean, I I saw someone or heard someone talk about this, another woman who left the industry, and she basically was saying, like, people kept saying throughout the whole pandemic, we want happy news. We want happy news. Well, no, you don't. We know what you click on. We know you want the salacious, terrible shit. And then I'm the one who has to be the one reading it over and over and over again, seeing stuff behind the scenes you have never seen before. And that really started to take a toll. And so I would say the oh, and I was the essential anchor. Like I was the one they couldn't do without. My co-anchor got to stay stay at home. And originally we were supposed to rotate, but oh, they, they couldn't quote unquote rely on him like they could rely on me. So I got to be there all the time. And
1: that took a massive toll. I did that for 11 months. Wow. So you had to actually go into the oh yeah station. Okay, because I know some some people like with us, we had our anchors at home anchoring, which was difficult to to figure that yeah. out. But
0: yeah, wow. exactly. So I was there. He was at home, and my news director was really flexible with working our shifts, our schedules. Like I got to start working a four day shift because I was working so much longer, and so that happened for 11 months. And that was kind of me in fight or flight. Like my cortisol levels, now I know that being a period coach, were so, so sky high through the roof. Um, But I was maintaining, I was able to just kind of put my head down and do it. And then last year, so roughly a year and a half after the pandemic kicked off in November of last year, I started seeing massive signs of burnout my anxiety, which I've had my whole life, was really skyrocketing. And then I got diagnosed with PTSD. And so I don't think that's something lots of people in news
1: would consider themselves to have, but I feel like everyone probably does. Oh, I think so too. It's something I didn't really think about until I left. And you start to think about the things you've seen, the things you've read, the things you've covered. I've read Mm -hmm. so many affidavits that I wish I wouldn't have read. Just the details that I feel like... I, I wish <sighs> I would have never known. Yep. A hundred percent. Right. A hundred percent. Like
0: reporting on the worst of humanity mm-hmm. every single day. And for me, it was also having to do that in an unbiased way with a smile on my face at times or just report the most horrible shit you've ever heard and then go throw to news or throw to weather or whatever. Right. Just flip it on the dime. And so last fall, it started. I started coming apart a little bit at the seams. I had this horrible story where this young black boy killed himself. The story was about young suicide in the African-American community. And he was like eight or nine, he committed suicide. And I cried on air. I was solo anchoring and I was just so upset when that story came back to me after the reporter had ended what is called a package. And I was so upset, vis- like visibly upset, pulled it together, quickly through to my weatherman and was just like, oh shit. Then the the final nail in the coffin for me was the Uvalde school shooting, which happened about two hours from where I live. And also being on the desk solo, just because of hiring issues, and and some folks had to be off. So my co-anchor was in the mornings, and I was by myself. But when we found out all those babies' names and all the things they loved, I was so shaken. I mean, I could not. Be, I could barely get through it. And I had my my digital team save it. I was like, clip that. You got to clip that. They're like, why? I'm like, because I am about to have a full breakdown and I need someone to have seen and witnessed it um, because I was so upset. I immediately ended up after that taking FMLA, so family medical leave, piled on with short-term disability. And I spent three months on that and then decided to leave and then go back. And it was really my mental health that just, I couldn't take it anymore. And I think the pandemic taught me what matters and what doesn't matter. And for me, what mattered was to be concentrating on getting better mentally. And it didn't matter that I was this high-profile public figure reading the news anymore.
1: Didn't matter. Yeah, when you took that initial break, did you think you would eventually come back to the news desk? I thought so, but I also had no clue how
0: the hell I would. Like, I... I was having some, I had some personal issues too. Like we lost two of our three dogs. I mean, Mm. four right back to back. And so the first month I was still so stressed. I was trying to get everything approved, doing all the paperwork. And I kept seeing September 26th, which was the day I was supposed to return as this ticking time bomb. Am I going to be better enough to go back? What if I can't go back? What if I have no idea how to do my job anymore? And that was so, so terrifying. So all of June and July, I was terrified. I started to come to peace with it in August. Lots of therapy, lots of anti-anxiety medication. And finally, I guess around the 1st of September, first week, I started seeing signs that like this didn't necessarily need to be the end-all be-all for me anymore. And uh, right before I was supposed to go back, I just made the final decision that, no, nah, I'm not not doing it.
1: Did you notice a difference when you were on that break versus when you were in news? Oh, hell yeah. And so here's the thing I did. I disconnected from
0: every news outlet possible. I don't have cable. I don't watch the news on the television. I unfollowed even my own. I deleted the apps of all the news agents like all the news stations in my DMA, my area. I stopped following all of the news organizations like I did that 30-day mute or whatever they let you do on Facebook. And I just had an unfollow session. Like I unfollowed all of the old people who were other reporters, so on and so forth. And really just like concentrated on that, the unfollow. And after about six or seven weeks, I started to feel less stressed. But then things would happen and I'd almost get jerked back into it. Although I will say that my proudest moment is how long it took me to find out the queen had died. (laughs) Like it took me like a half a day to find out she had died. And that was humongous world news. And so, yes, I started noticing a massive difference even in just the way I looked and in the way that I was able to sleep, not relying on alcohol as much to sleep at night because that was something that I had done for years in the news industry. And slowly being able to really pick out joy because in the thick of the real messy times. It was just like every day was the same and nothing really brought me joy.
1: I think it's hard when you're covering so much negativity every day. It, it really does weigh on you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't realize it until years later or you just kind of, you know, you, you try to ignore it, which is something I felt like I did and I didn't realize until it got so bad. And like you said, you're kind of at that breaking point where the cracks are starting to happen and you just mm-hmm. can't hold it together anymore. Absolutely. And I also don't think it's
0: normal to hold it together when we are the ones who have to report on the worst of humanity. It's not natural. And I think that I always thought that in the back of my brain, but I posted this long post on my professional Facebook page explaining where I was and basically explaining, you know, what had happened and why I wasn't there. And all the comments were like, it's not natural for you not to have emotions. And so that was sort of validation for all the things I had thought in the back of my head. But yet then I still had those horrible news directors I'd had in the past who said things like, just shut up and read. Just shut up and read the news. We don't need your opinions. Just very like I felt like the news anchor robot. Yeah. So while I kind of thought it's important to have emotion, it was just so hard to because of all the conditioning that had been programmed into me for decades.
1: Yeah. We're supposed to just, you know, read the news. You're not supposed to, like you said, show any emotions Mm -hmm. and and I I love when I do see those those news anchors that do end up you know crying on TV because sometimes things are emotional and mm-hmm. you can't hold it in it just I like when that happens because I think it shows that news anchors and reporters are people too
0: yeah and I I am hesitant to say I like it because I know what the fuck's going on behind the scenes in those people's brain you know like I understand exactly what you're saying
1: mm-hmm. but
0: being the person who was the one crying how there, it was just like this, like, I just felt like I was hanging on by a string and what for so many people, it's probably very normal behavior to show emotion around a story like that for me wasn't. And I think that also has a lot to do with just me personally, uh, who I am as a person. Like I've always been the one who keeps things very tightly bottled, I don't like to express emotion until it's like so high that it's just a volcano ready to erupt. So that's me personally. But I always now when I see those same things happen, I wonder, like, are you okay? Yeah. Because I
1: wasn't okay. I think a lot of people aren't okay. And I think with the pandemic, people are starting to realize that. I think that's why we're seeing so many people in the news leaving Mm -hmm. for their mental health. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so once you left, what, what are you doing now or kind of what was that journey like? Because I think we put a lot of our identity into our job. And like you said, you wanted to do this since you were in middle school. So how did you decide what's next?
0: So for me, I'll tell you a story. So six years ago, before I came to this job, I was a morning anchor in Oklahoma City. I anchored five-hour morning shows five days a week. <laughs> and they did not renew my contract. And they gave me like two months to find a new job. And I was like, oh, Jesus. So I almost left the news industry then. I almost went and took a job as a social media manager for a local PR company. But I was too scared because, like you said, my entire identity at that point was wrapped up in being a news anchor. And I didn't know who I would be if I wasn't the person on the news. So over the last few years, I had a spiritual awakening. I experimented with months and months of sobriety, and I started to understand How little my job really impacts who I am, but I had to do the inner work in order to be able to release this. So that has been going on for years. So I had my spiritual awakening in 2019, thank goodness, uh, over a year before the pandemic. So I was already meditating. I was already practicing mindfulness. And In early 2020, I decided to come off hormonal birth control. I'd been on it for 16 years, but throughout my spiritual awakening, I kept feeling like I was stifling the innate authenticity of who I was because I did not have a period. And I was raised in a very Christian family where we didn't talk a lot about the reproductive system, and I didn't have a good understanding of what the hell was even happening. And so in addition to the stress of the 2020 pandemic, I was also coming off the pill. And I experienced massive hormonal problems. Like my hair fell out. I had horrific mood swings, like flipped my shit at work. And I was never that person, like crying and angry. And then I lost all my libido. I got cystic acne. And so as I started healing that part of what was going on, the outward symptoms, I also started really digging deeply into who I was and connecting with myself on a personal inner self-development type path. And so in 2021, I got certified as a meditation teacher. And then I also joined a certification to be a menstrual cycle coach so that I could help other people heal how I had healed myself. And so having those things become my purpose and my passion, I think, kept me in news a little longer than I probably would have stayed if I hadn't. Like, I, th- I think if I hadn't had something else to focus on throughout the whole pandemic, I probably would have crumbled way quicker. But then again, because of the fact that I was doing all of this studying and building my own business, it did add an additional stress to life as the, the news anchor. But being able to see how much more lit up I felt when I talked about things like the menstrual cycle and feminine embodiment earlier this year, I really started realizing that's what is making me shine, not reporting on all of this other shit on the news. And so January 1st, 2021, I started by putting out a post on my Instagram, basically saying, you know, this is who I am. I'm no longer going to be sharing about life on the news. It's going to be super authentic. And we're going to talk about periods. And if you want to stay great, If you want to go great. And so that allowed me to open up more authentically online and start releasing that identity as the person who just posted what I was wearing or what news story of the day, that started helping me cut that part off of myself. And then I also have my own podcast um, called The Light Within, where I was able to still have those very unbiased, uncensored often explicit conversations with healers, coaches, thought leaders all across the planet about the things that really lit me up. And so the storytelling aspect of being a journalist, which I've still to this day, absolutely love. I'm able to get through my podcast, but again, the podcast and my dedication to being authentic on Instagram as me, as Leslie, not as Leslie, the news anchor is what helped me release that part. And the the last thing I'll say Cause I know this was such a long winded answer for you, but oh, you're good. (laughs) I knew I needed to start thinking about what was next. When last Halloween, we had a dress up party at work and I dressed up as a witch and actually wore the dress that I'm wearing right now. And it was so fun. I had like really fun makeup on, and then I had to take it all off and get ready for the news. And I realized, holy shit, the news anchor is the costume, Wow. like putting that on every day. That is a costume. Like I was playing a news anchor on TV. And when I started thinking of it that way versus I am this, things really started shifting. I started to be able to really disengage from the identity and just see it
1: as a part that I was playing. And when I didn't want to play the part anymore, fine. And I loved how you said you still get to use those skills that you've loved. Like you still get to have a podcast and that Mm -hmm. I feel the same way. I've always loved the storytelling aspect, Mm -hmm. but I've learned that the news and just sharing all of these negative things terrible things happening in the world that's not my passion Mm-mm. but storytelling is so i think it's great that journalists are starting to see that there's different paths you don't just there's not just one path the tv news you know Mm-mm. there's podcasts there's so many different things you can be doing
0: oh absolutely and i i've said this before on my own podcast but i think tv news is like an abusive relationship it treats you like shit pays you no money but tells you you're lucky to be there on the days when you have had to work 16 hours and then you got to get called in the next morning or you're working through the holidays. I have so often have had news directors say other people would kill to be in your shoes. You're so lucky to have this job. Yet they treat you so horribly. And that is an abusive, toxic relationship right there. And so I think it really is going to be journalists taking back their power, either by leaving in droves like they already are, standing up for themselves when it comes to contract negotiations, having open discussions with how much you're making. That's the only way we're going to start to see any shift in the industry. But I'm going to be honest, I don't know if there is a way to shift that industry until there is a complete meltdown.
1: Yeah, that's one thing I i didn't realize until I left and you start to think about it. But it, like you said, it is like an abusive relationship and they make you feel grateful to be there, mm-hmm. yet they treat you so poorly. And When I started, I was so young and I was just happy to be there that I didn't fight for more money. And (laughs) so that's something that I I just wish if I could go back, I would fight for my worth and I would Mm -hmm. ask for more money and I wouldn't accept what they gave me. But when you're young, you don't think about that. You're just so excited to be starting your dream. So that's something I hope that new journalists will maybe start to realize, and hopefully new journalists do fight for that, because if not, then things won't change. Yeah, and I also think that new
0: journalists really need to, and those who are in the industry now, take a good hard look at what your mental health is looking like. And there are so many easy practices that they can use to help them decompress and de-stress. I mean, even things like going to grief counseling, going to a grief group, because we have grief every day about the terrible things that we see. PTSD support groups, things like that. One thing that I hope to start in the ne- in the new year is a, a media consultant business where it's more conscious consulting, where I go in with my meditation and mindfulness training and my personal coaching training and help news stations teach the people who work there ways to deal with stress so that they don't have to leave, like so they don't get so burnt out that they almost crack.
1: I love that because I don't think mental health is talked about enough, especially in news. You don't really hear, you know, your news director right. saying, hey, do you need a mental health day or here's right. these resources? Like in my new job, I work for school communications and okay. for a school district. And right when I started, they're like, oh, yeah, if you need therapy, we have this, we have this. And it's just crazy that they were so upfront mm-hmm. about all these resources. But when I was in news and probably needed it more than this job, oh yeah, it was never talked about. You know,
0: my company that I was working for right before I left did offer a lot of good mental health stuff. And I felt very supported when I like when I I mean, what were they going to do? Right. Like I couldn't come to work. I couldn't couldn't do it anymore. I, I felt supported. But I also have to say that I was in a very privileged position. I was one of the top people there. And when I shared my story online, I feel like it was very well recepted because of what I look like like I have white privilege, I have pretty privilege, I have mostly thin privilege, I have educated privilege, I have up like you know my income privilege and I just really feel like that's been something that has kept this in a very positive light the conversation because there are people who come into my DMs and and comments they're like I mean and they're bitter. They're like why well, I have had these issues too and I was not treated this way and I didn't get to take off. And I'm like I f- fucking hate that for you. I hate that for you. And that makes me so angry. So whenever I I think about what more needs to be done or what even is doing is being done now about mental health, it's just such a two, I feel like it's like a double edged sword. Like my story was, I was really supported and people are really not. Yeah. And so it's tricky for me to be able to see what's going to happen, I guess, looking forward, just because I've had this very different experience than what I know others to have. And if I hadn't been at this TV station, <laughs> some of the stations I have been in in the past i know I would have been the, on the other side where i wasn't supported so it's just it's just tricky
1: yeah that is the tough part because it it does help if you have someone to back you up whether yeah. it's support from family or support from your employer right savings
0: to fall back on because that's my deal right like or a, or a spouse who is working so that they can support you while you figure out what the heck you want to do next so yeah I understand that my story is not most likely the norm whatsoever, but I share it because I feel like it's important to be talking more and more and more about this because hiding it didn't feel authentic to me. And because I had made that commitment January of this year to be so authentic and transparent about the shit that I was going through, that's why I felt like it was so necessary.
1: And how does it feel now that you do get to live your most authentic self?
0: There's definitely still some things that I feel I wouldn't maybe worried to talk about or, or hesitant to talk about, but overall, I would say it feels like light, it lightens me. So like, there's a burden off of me. And now it's just, honestly, I think in this phase of where I am almost a month after leaving my job, I'm now in the phase of like pissed offness, <laughs> which is fine. Right. Like you're, I'm, I'm probably, what is it, like all the stages of grief. Uh-huh. And now, I mean, I, I was so relieved to leave the job. I was happy, but now I look back and I'm like, damn, there was some really screwed up shit that happened in that industry, man. And like, there were so many times throughout my career, I should have, someone should have come to me and said, you have, you need to take a break. I had a horrific divorce. I mean, a horrific divorce in my Oklahoma city TV station, like where, when I worked there and I was hanging on by the threads of anti-depression medication and wine. And someone should have looked at me and looked at how thin I was. I was also battling eating disorders and been like, honey, you need to take a break, but they don't tell you this. And so that's why I'm in all the Facebook groups talking to my fellow journalists, be like, you can take this, you can take this. Here's how to set up your short-term disability. Here's what you need to do. So it's like, I needed someone to advocate for me years and years and years ago. Finally, I got strong enough to advocate for myself. And so now I just want to be out there advocating for anybody else who needs some help. But I would say now I'm kind of in the pissed off phase and saying whatever the hell I want.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Though. I feel like I'm kind of in that phase, too. It was nice when I left, but now I'm thinking about it and I'm just angry at everything that happened. And like you said, I, I should have stood up for myself. And so I think it's great that you're helping other journalists who are maybe struggling or it's good to just let people know, like, you don't have to take this. You don't have to deal with this. Like, you are allowed to stand up for yourself. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And I also think there's freedom for me personally because I am working for myself. And so I don't have another employer to like worry about. Oh, are they going to be mad that I dropped the F bomb on a podcast (laughs) or, you know, (laughs) said something that made them mad or, or posted like political stuff? Oh my gosh. I remember for the majority of my entire adult life, I did not vote because a professor had told me in college that. Voting is bias and your voting record could be found out. And so as a journalist, you just don't vote. And I did not vote until the 2020 election, right? Yes. First time I had voted and I expressed that to my co-anchor and we were talking about that, you know, in the newsroom and they're like, oh my God, that's crazy. Like that, 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 that was something that I had been taught. Yeah. And so I didn't, you know, share anything, but God, this summer in Texas with the Roe v. Wade stuff and all of that shit, being a period coach, being someone Mm -hmm. who whose job it now is to help people feel empowered and and embodied. Yeah, you bet your ass I'm sharing all the memes now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Does it feel more freeing being able to share that? It definitely does. And you know what
0: really feels free when someone comes for me and comments and I can just go after them. (laughs) Like I was always that person that was just like, oh, you know, kill them with kindness. Not the fuck now. Like if you want to come for me for something that, you know, is how I look. Oh, my God. Like how many times over the years? Like I, I have, I have battled eating disorders since I was about 15. And over the last year, finally started completely no more dieting, like eating whatever I want. My body has changed. People love to comment on that shit. And now I'm like, Oh, okay. That's how we're going. <laughs> well here. And I'll go right back after them. And so that feels really free. And I would just say the, the best part is like waking up and knowing that I don't have to ingest negativity if I don't want to, you know, I have cultivated my social media streams to be only what I'm into. Like my TikTok for you page is like herbalism, dogs. What's the other one I'm on? book talk. So it's like, I don't see that stuff anymore. And that's great. And that's truly, I think, the
1: best medicine that I could be on right now. I love that. Yeah. I had to take a detox from news. So like Mm -hmm. you said, I deleted all the news apps and unfollowed everything. And yeah, I just needed a a break from it. And I think it's good to still know what's going on in the world, but not as much as in news, you know, you, you know, every single little detail. I don't think that's important anymore, at least for me. I just, I need a break. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I just think, I mean,
0: you see it on social media and it was the same with news too, right? Just the complete onslaught Over the last couple of years of the divisiveness of the evil comments of the trolls online of things happening in the world that you truly have no power over. And that Mm -hmm. was for me what was really one of the, the things that kind of broke me in the end is all the reporting about the war in Ukraine, all the reporting about all the school shootings, all the reporting about, you know, the black men being killed, all of the reporting about like reproductive rights. I was just like, damn, I don't feel like I can do anything about this. But I have to continuously report on this and talk about this and have this in my mental field Yeah, that, that also felt like it was taking my power away. And so while absolutely right now I am in the ignoring phase, I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> in the let me plant my garden and hang out with my dog, my my blessed last puppy who is so old. And now I'm just like, Ugh, yeah, and Aww. hang out with my husband and eat good food and wear cute clothes and. I put makeup on for this interview, but uh, I never wear makeup anymore. And it's just like that for me is what's now the way to get my power back.
1: I love that. Just living your life and enjoying your life. Not mm-hmm. Your your life isn't your job. And I think a lot of people think that their life is their career because we spend so much time, like eight hours a day mm-hmm. at our job. So that's something I've learned is that I want to focus more on Who is Miranda outside of a job? Like, what are my hobbies? What do I like to do? Like, we only get one life, you know, so why not live it the way we want to live it? Enjoy it. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I think
0: that this year specifically has taught me that tomorrow is never promised. Mm -hmm. And so when I go to bed at night, I'm like, if today was the very last day, like, how do I feel about what happened? And if it was kind of like a -hmm," day, I'm like, all right, well, then maybe we make some changes tomorrow. If it was a great day, I'm like, great. Okay, cool. See you in the morning. Like, you know, so it's just feeling like your full identity is wrapped up in a career is so dangerous for many, many reasons. If we go into a recession, it's super dangerous. But yes. even more so than that, you know, when we're not talking about financial stability, I mean, mental stability, who are you without it? And so I'm just so fucking glad that I was asking myself that question while I still had the job because if I had not started doing that work a couple of years ago, I think this transition would have been much more difficult or I would have forced myself to go back. Because my other thing was I was in the midst of a contract renegotiation and I had a couple more months left before I would like have the re-sign in January. And uh, I was like, what do I do? <laughs> what do I do? They decided at the very end of it not to renew my contract. So it made it real easy, even easier the 3% of me that was like, maybe I should go back for just a couple of weeks just to see, just to see, yeah. could I do it one more time? But then again, the week before I made the final decision, I like looked at all my TV makeup and my hair extensions and my clothes. I was like, I don't know if I remember how to do it anymore. Like how to how to news, how to anchor. Mm-hmm. Do
1: I remember that? I don't know. I'd love to talk a little bit more. So, you said that you do menstrual coaching, you have your podcast, you, you're also helping your husband with his business too. His
0: food truck. Yep. We have a food truck. He started it October 27th of last year. And for the longest time, I was just, it was his food truck. Then I reframed it to the family business. And now I'm like, okay, I'm jazzed to be helping the family business. And I have also been very much the the go getter, the breadwinner, the the one leading the drive in this relationship and in my past marriage as well. And so being able to release the hustle culture of having to be the perfectionist person that I am and let someone else take care of me has <laughs> been so, such an interesting lesson. But yes, I also am just babysitting dogs. Oh, <laughs> like things you can do for money. Get on Rover, babysit animals talk about bringing you joy. I have a puppy here at the house right now who is the cutest thing ever. So yeah. So I help my husband with our family business. I babysit dogs, do my podcast, do some freelance work. But yeah, I, the thing I like most is talking to people about their periods and like being the random person that people now know to go to about their periods. Like I had this single dad send me an email and he's like, his daughter's going through the change and he didn't, I'm like, yes, that's like, That's my wheelhouse is like helping teenage menstruators understand that your period is your superpower and you do not have to be afraid of it. And here's how you will help. Like, here's how it can help you. Because that is absolutely not the education or the mindset that I had around it before two years ago.
1: Yeah, I think I was... I was listening to one of your podcasts talking about there's all these misconceptions or we don't learn everything that we should right. surrounding our periods. And fortunately, it can get religious for some people and mm-hmm. or some families just don't want to talk about it. exactly and then that just makes it difficult. So I think it's awesome you're doing that. I didn't even know there was such thing as menstrual coaching. so <laughs> <laughs> You know, the woman who
0: ran the certification, it's the first internationally certified program like there ever was. And there's not a lot of us. And most people who do this work are in australia like my teacher was in an australia and most people in the group in the first training were australian some were from europe but there's like a handful in the states but yeah it's it's funny because I think that my TV news career, I was always so jazzed to shine a light on things people may think are taboo or give a voice to the voiceless. And now I feel like I'm again working to do a complete paradigm shift to help people understand that periods are powerful and important. Maybe that's just a lot that I chose when I incarnated on this planet is just to like try to buck the trends (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because it's like, damn, we're really talking about taboo a whole lot over here, but I've always been very interested in it. And that was some of the, my favorite stories is being able to, you know, uncover something that someone may have had, you know, different beliefs about. And now I feel like that's what's happening in my everyday life, but in a way that feels good. And it feels in alignment.
1: I love that. How, how did you find out about this coaching? You said you had an enlightenment, enlightenment. How did that all happen? Or my, so my, my spiritual awakening. <laughs> yeah. Or your spiritual <laughs> awakening. Yes. <Yeah. laughs> oh,
0: all right. So in 2020, uh, 2019, I started really getting into like crystals and studying the moon and being more one with nature and also meditating and doing breath work. And so those things all sort of led me to feel more empowered as a person. And then when I started looking at what makes me authentically me and how I can get really more in tune with the cyclical nature of life in general. I understood, all right, I need to get this hormonal birth control out of my body because I had been on it for 16 years. And so when I was coming off the pill and I had all those problems, I spent like thousands of dollars, hundreds of hours of research. Cause of course I did, right? Like being a journalist, what do we love to do? Most of us research some shit. <laughs> and I am obsessed. Like I am a very good student. <laughs> so I'm like reading all the books, taking all the courses, booking in with all these specialists. And I found Gemma, who is my teacher through a group that I was in called the golden Yoni, which is a private group for people who want to reconnect with like Yoni means sacred portal in Sanskrit. So that refers to like the womb space and specifically like pleasure and boosting libido. Because like I said, my libido was just shot after coming off the pill. I met Gemma in that group realized, oh my God, there are actually period coaches. And so while I at that point was already almost done with my healing journey, like my physical symptoms were pretty much in check. I just kind of kept it in the back of my mind. And uh, this is like my <laughs> my nickname for from the news the newsroom, like I was the newsroom mom, right? I'm 36. I, it was all these these kids were like 22 to 24 and I'm their mom, right? I'm the newsroom mom. And I was talking to one of them last year early in the spring about something going on in her life. And she was like, you should be like a life coach or a therapist or something. And I swear, like the next day I see this part about the period coaching. I was like, wait a second, I could do that and that together, but also have a focus specifically on menstrual issues. And for me, menstrual, menstrual issues is really just like one tier of all of the things that I deal with. I also have a belief that mental health and menstrual health are very, very connected
1: that makes sense because some people get so stressed and they lose their period. So, uh huh.
0: And the crazy mood swings some people have, I had, God, hoof, bless my husband's heart, are really all interconnected. So, I would say that's kind of how I found out about the period coaching. For me, what's interesting is how much it has branched into multifaceted healing for clients. Like, I had a client who was 54 was going through perimenopause and was terrified to be invisible, to lose her vitality. And so helping her reframe what it really meant to feel like the feminine version of herself helped with her healing. I had a 12-year-old client and we spent most of our time just you know, talking about how to consciously communicate emotions and also how to ha- handle period cramps. Because she came to me with like cramps that were at an eight on the scale of one to 10. And we made a couple of shifts and she's now... Like, I talk to her all the time. She's a friend of mine's kid. And she's like, oh, they're like the three. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's, I think, a multifaceted approach to whole body healing. And for me, it's really led from the feminine. Although I'm very open to working with people who maybe identify as male, but menstruate or were born uh, assigned male at birth and now are women and don't have a period. So those things I'm open to as well. But it really has mostly been me working with people who look like, you know, us.
1: That's really interesting. Yeah. I love hearing about you know all these different things I've never heard of before. So that's so cool. <laughs> oh gosh,
0: we're just scratching the surface because um, <laughs> there's so much that I also do that's like tricky to talk about on social media specifically because of all of the shadow banning and things like that. Like I love talking about you know ways to get your sex drive back <laughs> with crystals, um, like crystal pleasure tools. It's like a whole other can of worms that and doing like breath work and things like that so
1: that's awesome yeah what have you learned now that you're out of news you've been doing this for a bit kind of looking back what have you learned from this plot twist I should have left earlier (laughs) (laughs)
0: like I, I I guess I left everything happens in divine timing I fully believe that but you don't have to be as afraid as your mind says and I think what kept me in the news industry for longer was my ego Ego and fear. Afraid that I had no other skills. Afraid that if I wasn't this news anchor, who would I be? Would my husband still love me if I wasn't the one, the woman on TV? Like He used to love to brag about like dating the news anchor, but what if she wasn't the news anchor anymore? Would I have a way to still express myself creatively? Would I still feel like I was making an impact on the world? And I think if I really had sat down and thought about it earlier, maybe I would have left earlier. But now I think the the main lesson and the main thing I've learned is uh, you are so much more important than your job. You are, you are completely replaceable. They will replace the shit out of you. Any corporation will. I thought I was, you know, so valuable to that station. And I know I was, right? Being the essential anchor, being the managing editor. But they sure... Decided they didn't need me when it was a week before I was supposed to be back when they decided not to renew my contract. But you are never replaceable to the people who love you. And I think that when you think about it that way, it makes everything else less sharp, maybe softens the edges a little. And really just that mental health. And this is said, I think, a lot. Mental health is, is as important as physical health but i will say i think for some folks it needs to be even more top of mind because i will also say a thing i keep forgetting it happened to me i was sick for three months earlier this year because of burnout i thought i had covid and then i never got better for three months which was weird so physical health can be a symptom too but yeah i just feel like if i could go back and do anything different i don't know if i would really i mean maybe have left early earlier but honestly like i said i think everything worked out like it was supposed to
1: yeah, I think everything happens for a reason. And now mm-hmm. you can take what you've learned and hopefully help others so that they can realize maybe maybe they shouldn't stay or it's okay to yeah. leave. Yeah.
0: I really hope that, oh God, and I, I mean, I'm sure you're in the Facebook groups too with the female reporters who are out there because there's a bunch of them just for those who are listening who aren't news people. Like there are specific Facebook groups just for people like me and Miranda or people who left TV to go do other things. And I see those women. Frickin struggling so hard, and I just want to hold them and be like, Baby, it is not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not. Do anything else. <laughs> Babysit dogs. <laughs> like, do anything else, you know? Because, in the end, like I said, I just think that so much more matters, and the toxic relationship that you're in with the news industry maybe means you can't see that yet but I also encourage them to just reach out to me at any point. Like, you don't want to talk about your period? Totally fine. You want to talk (laughs) about the shittiness of the news industry? Absolutely. Come on over, baby. Like, let's just talk. (laughs) You have mental issues that you want to discuss? I'm not a therapist, but I'll listen to you. And I'm good at researching, so we'll find a therapist in your
1: area. (laughs) Oh, I love it. You know? (laughs) Yeah. I think it's good to have people that out there. Like, I wish that there were more people talking about this, when I was thinking of leaving news, mm-hmm. so I, I think it's good that you're talking about it. That's why I started this podcast is, yeah. hopefully, so people can see there's other things I can do. It's going to be okay, and it's always okay to make a change. And then if you don't like it, you can always go back, which is the nice part. Yeah, unless you start talking about
0: crystal sex toys on the in- <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> dropping a bunch of F-bombs. You know, (laughs) there's no going back for me in the news industry and that's okay. Unless someone wants to give me a talk show late at night where we talk about this shit and I would be definitely down for that. Um, (laughs) Hit me up. But no, I think the other thing is just talking about talking about it more. A lot of like the fear specifically, the, the thing that helped me feel a little bit more secure is looking at all the other ways I could use my skills. Creating a resume that does not have to do with news but uses the news skills that you've acquired in a way that's reframed. So I made a resume and um what did I call myself? Conscious consultant. And then I had all my other titles and I and I put, you know, all the things that I had done in a way that really made sense to the average person. Then, and this is my other tip if people are listening to this and they're like I need to get the fuck out of news, go to Upwork or Fiverr, which are two online freelance type websites. If you're a reporter, go look for podcast hosting gigs, copy editing gigs, writing gigs, blogging gigs, and find ways to use your skills in that way. You don't even have to be getting these jobs. You just need to see, oh shit, I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. Okay. That's like step one. When I started seeing all of that out there, it gave me even more confidence to be like, no, I'll be fine. And like I said, I did some freelancing for a podcast for about a month and a half and left to focus on my own podcast and other things. But like that gave me another boost of confidence that like it's going to be OK, you know. Also, the other thing I love to do is reconnect with people in the community who I interviewed before and explain to them, hey, I left like I had some really good sources and I would say, hey, I'm leaving I, or like I already left. And uh, let's have coffee. And then I'll go explain to them what I'm doing. And they will have a ton of ideas of other things I could do. So it's really just, I think, admitting to yourself first, I'm not happy. okay. and now what do we do? And now we make a resume that feels really good. And now we look for other ways to use the skills we love. And now we reach out for help. And then maybe at that time, it's like,
1: and now we put in the two weeks. I love that. Yeah. It it's a process. It's mm-hmm. not just one day you decide no I'm leaving. <laughs> right. I mean you sure can do that. But
0: you can, the yeah. <laughs> process that will make it feel less stressful and more powerful for you, more confident in your body will be to just just start looking. Just start start seeing what else is out there. Because for me, I swear, for so long I was so narrow-minded into thinking that I had no other skills other than reading news on a prompter. And it took like i said doing other research talking to my husband talking to my friends for them to understand ways to help me understand how my skills could translate because i also think that because news is such a niche it can be tricky for people to understand well wait like if i'm a producer and this is all i've done blah 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 like what else can i do well you can manage people you are great at you know reports you're great at um, things like social listening so it's really just trying to broaden the I think at times really narrow mindset that a lot of us have in here because either it's what we've wanted to do our whole life or we are a little downtrodden by it that we think this is all we're good at even though our bosses may also tell we're not we tell us we're not that good at it sometimes you know it's just so tricky it's just so tricky and honestly it's just so toxic and I love talking to people who are out because now we're like damn that was toxic like my <laughs> best friend she was a sports anchor worked for like the Big Ten Network and, and then she left a couple years ago and. I talked to her all summer before I decided to leave. I was with her on a road trip last week, and she's like, I'm so proud you left. Like, I knew you were going to leave, but I'm just so proud you finally did it, because I could see what it was like on the other side. And so if people are listening to this and they're so terrified to leave, like, maybe this is just a conversation that gives you some inspiration to know that on the other side, the grass is green as fuck. So come on over. (laughs) (laughs) Come on over.
1: Yeah, I always run into reporters now when I hold events for our school district and they're always asking me like, "How is it?" And I'm like, "It's amazing. Like, it's so great being out of news. Like, join yeah. me. Come to the other side." Oh man, every t-
0: I saw a reporter, an MMJ, I was in Hot Springs, Arkansas. I saw this guy who was shooting stuff and I'm like, "Oh man, does he need help with a stand up." Like, <laughs> "Let me give this man an MOS. Let me Do you need an interview? <laughs> I don't know what you're doing, but I can I can help you."
1: Oh yeah. I'm always, I'm always willing to help people now with like MOS's or I always tell my family, like if a reporter comes up to you and it's something, you know, you can answer something simple, just do it. Just do it. Yeah. And MOS is man on the street. So that's where we would just get random interviews for different topics pretty much. So there were days where I was out there for like an hour, two hours, just trying to get somebody to talk to me. (laughs) It's stressful. (laughs) So I'm glad I don't have to do that.
0: MOS is where the lowest form of journalism, like why?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Filling content, I
0: guess, but oh yeah, I've, I've been in the freezing cold getting them and the blazing heat getting them,
1: so I get it. Well, thank you so much, Leslie, for talking to me and sharing your story. And I know it's gonna help a lot of people, so I appreciate it. Of course, it was my pleasure. Yeah, and the last question I wanna ask you that I ask all of my guests is, what is your favorite quote? I have so many favorite quotes. Well, I will say this. I love the
0: quote, you can be whole and healing. And when you think about it, you can be whole and healing, right? At the very same time. But the other thing that really got me through the entire summer was a book called It's Not Your Money by Tosha Silver. It's about living in alignment with divine abundance. And she has this prayer that you say every single day, and it's super long. But there's one part that I love, and it says, let everything that needs to go, go, and let everything that needs to come, come. So when you open yourself up to receiving, you can have so much more peace. And when you open yourself up to allowing things to leave you and surrendering to that idea, that's where the happiness is. That's where the abundance is. And I highly suggest looking that book up. Like it was fantastic. I said that prayer every single day for six weeks and things would just like weirdly happen. Like I'd be like money would just come into me. So that's a whole other like spiritual conversation. but let everything that needs to go, go, let everything that needs to come, come. And then also you can be whole and healing.
1: I love it. Yeah. I'll put the book in the show notes for anyone who's interested and I'll put all your information, podcast, all of that stuff so that people can listen to it because your conversations on there are interesting. I was binge (laughs) listening to it. I'm like. So many things I'd never heard of before, and you know, as a former journalist, like I just love hearing about new things and mm-hmm. just different ways that people think. So I love it. <laughs> yeah, I do too. It's called the
0: Light Within, and uh, I'm trying to think what's coming up in the next couple of weeks. We're talking like astrology. We talk about burnout. I have a burnout coach on to talk about that. Oh, interesting. Yep, Holly Angela Doll. She's fantastic. She's also a nutritionist, so she talks about just like all the healing ways to help with burnout and then i talk with someone who is like um specializes in clearing out entities like negative entities for halloween like a spooky witch one so it's a little bit of everything all rolled into one and it's just whatever lights me up and that's what i talk about
1: awesome yeah well thank you so much for coming on the podcast of course thanks so much for having me What a great conversation with Leslie. I loved how she was just so raw and unfiltered and just herself. There were so many great takeaways, including how important it is to prioritize your mental health. Another thing she said that really resonates with me was when she talked about how when she goes to bed at night, she thinks about if today was my very last day, how do I feel about what happened? And if she doesn't like her answer, she plans to make changes for the next day. I think that's something that I'm going to add to my own nighttime routine. I think it's important for us to assess how we're feeling and to realize that if we're not happy, we can make changes. I mean, that's what this whole podcast is about. Life can get hectic and sometimes we start to run on autopilot. So this is a great way to snap yourself out of the cycle of the daily grind and to see if there's something different you can be doing with your life. Before I go, I wanted to let you all know that I plan on posting a New Year's solo episode soon. I've done one solo episode so far, and it was really scary, but I enjoyed being able to just talk to you guys, so I'm going to try another one. I was hoping to already have it out, but life got the best of me, so it's better late than never, so expect that soon, and I'm Excited for you guys to listen to it because I will be giving you an update on some of my guests. There has been some new developments, breaking news, if you will, and I'm excited to share it with you. In that episode, I'll also be reflecting back on my own year and talking about some of the goals that I have for 2023. Yesterday, I participated in a 2023 goal-setting party that was held by one of my favorite podcasters, Francesca Amber. Her podcast is called The Law of Attraction Changed My Life, and it was such a fun time, and it, it was so inspiring, and it, it was just a mood. Like, it was a great way to start out the new year. I'm starting it out on a high. I have all these goals that I'm so excited to accomplish. And I wanted to share some of what I learned with you guys. While some plot twists are unintentional, there are many plot twists that we create, and it starts with setting goals. Then once you've done that, it's important to make a game plan. One of my favorite quotes is, a goal without a plan is just a dream. I hope that I can help inspire you guys to make goals, and then also plan out your year and give you some tips so that you can create some exciting plot twists of your own and maybe even share those plot twists on my podcast. That would be amazing. I'm always looking for guests, so if you or someone you know has a plot twist, you can email me at plottwiststory@gmail.com at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook or Instagram at plottwiststory. And like I always say... It is your story, so feel free to hit them with a plot twist whenever you want. Bye, guys.